When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, Ag Direct can help you finance it. You can even apply online to agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Marcus Chip Mellinger. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. If you want to get a free beanie, send an email to Moving Iron, or not Moving Iron, just send it to marketing at axontire.com and they will get that over to you ASAP. Also, if you want $50 off the registration for the Moving Iron Summit, send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at Moving Iron Podcast.com or just go and sign up on the website at Moving Iron LLC.com and they'll get that taken care of. So the first 150 people that sign up for the Moving Iron Summit get a $50 discount. So check that out. Valley Transportation and Holly Nag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800 657 4910 for all your trucking needs at Valley Transportation. Our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and optimal pricing insights. This podcast is also brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable sales-based solution for your dealership. Check out you're connected to customer experience and transform how you work today. Wow, that was a mouthful there, Chip. Chip is with. Hey, see, that's it's pretty early for that, man. You uh, 
that was a mouthful. Yes, it was. So Chip is with Blue Reef Agri Marketing out of Morton, Illinois, and he's nice enough to come on and talk about what's happening in the marketplace. So Chip, how you doing, buddy? Doing well, Casey. I think this is the first of the new year. It's been yep. a, it's been a little bit since we've uh, we've talked. So happy New Year. Yeah, you too, man. It's uh, been bouncing back and forth on schedules and stuff going on. So pretty busy start to the year. Seems like uh, uh, well, on my end of the business, on the on the equipment side of the business, we've seen one of the best starts to years in a long time. Um, but there's still just a tremendous amount of volatility. Not so much. Um, well, I mean, there's price volatility out there, but there's still that kind of lingering unknown out there, Chip. So I guess this first year, kind of what are some of the feelings you're getting from your customers out there right now? Yeah, it. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that um, we really have to keep uh, a close eye and, and recalculate, recalibrate, um, you know, our, our psychology a little bit. <clears throat> In my opinion, the, the market of the last three years, basically, um, has gotten people out of their normal marketing habits. Um, it's kind of, uh, you know, tricked people into thinking, uh, you mentioned the volatility, right? We've seen some massive volatility. We've seen, I can't even tell you, 10, 12, a dollar and a half to two dollar price breaks in beans over the last two or three years, and but every time it comes back and, and almost gets back to the previous highs. We're you know in the midst of that right now here uh, to start the new year off. We had a big rally uh, in beans, and you know it's it's kind of got people in the mindset that okay, prices are breaking. Whatever it is, it's China, it's COVID, it's whatever the excuse is. Uh, just wait. You know, wait a couple months and we'll get another crack at it. And that has been the case for for three straight years. But I think that's a dangerous um, mindset to be in. I'm sensing a lot of I don't know apathy. I don't know if apathy is the right word. Um, you know, the other thing that that tricks us psychologically, we've spent a lot of time the last two years seeing and selling corn north of seven dollars. Right. And, you know, in fact, right now, uh, depending on where you're at in the, in the country and what your basis is, you know, we're, we're very close to, or just slightly North of $7 on cash corn. But then you look out ahead of us and say, oh, like new crop December futures at five ninety eight. you know, I, I'm not interested in, in that. So I think it's just a dangerous precedent because we're so razor thin on, um, you know, the, the carryouts across the world that, um, you know, we do have the potential to go a lot higher, but, you know, it's, it's almost going to be a, an if then proposition, you know, we're going to hit a certain point here. We're either going to have a big second crop corn uh, crop out of Brazil and then a big crop here, and we won't need to be at $6 any longer. Um, and, and so I think it's just dangerous, you know, as, as we look out into the, the new crop, I think the, the psychology of risk management and marketing, um, you know, the market's done a really good job of lulling everybody to sleep. And, and I think that's a dangerous spot to be in. I think myself included, I think we all need to kind of resharpen the saw and, and refocus and, and zero back in because one of these days, prices will break and they won't come back. And it's been a long time since we've seen that happen. And, and, you know, I'm fearful that it, it could be the case, uh, you know, for not careful in 2023 and, uh, you know, there's profitability. That's the thing. If, if you crunch out where you're at with costs, 
and where current new crop price levels are, uh, there's some profitability there. But, right. you know, corn breaks 60 cents and beans break a dollar, you know, then there's no options. The option then is sit and wait and hope that prices come back. So, you know, I, I think if there's anything in this new year that we should all be uh, maybe getting refocused and and sharpening the, the pencil a little bit and kind of thinking about the market psychology, I think, that's kind of lulled everybody to sleep the last three years with a big bull market. Yep. Let's talk about wheat for just a minute. Um, as you look what's going on around the world, you got the Russia-Ukraine war still putting pressure on the wheat market. You know, there's been reports out of out of uh, Ukraine about, you know, if everything stopped today, it, it would take, you know, at least one cropping cycle to get things back to normal, which and they're, they've lost 50% of their acres right now. So there's there's that uh, pinch that's out there. Yeah. Um, yeah India is... Uh, doing all they can do to keep the price of domestic wheat down. So wheat supplies around the world, obviously slow, but we, you know, we can rebound pretty quick, but you look what's going on in the United States and us, the odds of the United States having a, a massive bumper crop, just based on what we saw from this fall and the winter kill stuff we've seen doesn't look all that promising that there's going to be a massive crop coming out of the United States. So I guess looking at drought situations in Argentina too, also putting all kinds of pressure on that. So looking at the wheat market ship, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's a real head scratcher given all the problems that you mentioned. Ukraine, uh, you know, a drought in the plains, you know, one of the poorest rated wheat crops uh, here in the United States in history so far as we went into dormancy. Uh, but yet, you know, we've just seen a, a massive price break uh, in wheat. The funds are, are, are short. You know, it just seems like um, in spite of problems in Ukraine and a problem here, the world can do a very good job of raising wheat. And, you know, to, to counter some of that, Russia appears to have had a massive crop, even though there's sanctions on them. Some of that wheat is getting out into the world market. Uh, you mentioned India, uh, you know, that they, they um, seem to kind of be like China in that you can't really, uh, you know, put too much stock into what their their crop projections are. You know, sometimes they um, put some weird numbers out there. You know, uh, in spite of that, they seem to be doing okay. Australia, you know, had all kinds of problems and, you know, too much rain. And all of a sudden, when it's all said and done, Australia has a much bigger crop than what people expected. Uh, maybe the quality is not quite um, what it normally is out of Australia because of the, the rain, but there's still a lot of bushels there. And so, you know, right now, I, I think the market, um, has a lot of bearishness factored in. Um, the funds aren't record short, but you know they're pretty healthy short position. I think probably right up around sixty thousand contracts. That report, uh, the USDA report a week ago, you know, threw uh, a, a much higher acreage number in than the market was expecting. And, and we, you know, I think the thing that might be happening was we stopped going lower on bearish news. And so maybe everyone that wanted to sell this uh, this wheat market has sold it. The funds are loaded up short. Um, we may be at a pretty healthy price level here, uh, a fair price level for the time being. Could easily see, you know, 60 to 80 cent rallies just on short covering. But to me, it looks like there's just a massive amount of bearishness uh, factored into the wheat market right now. <clears throat> you know, I think the next shooter drop is going to be once we get a little later, uh, you know, early spring. And to get some of this crop out of dormancy in the plains, you know, then it's going to be refocused on, okay, 
you know, what is the production potential uh, out of Kansas and Oklahoma and Texas? And, um, you know, I'm not sure that there was enough moisture around to miraculously take that from the worst rated crop ever to a bumper crop. And, and so I think the market still has to kind of deal with that out ahead of us uh, at some point and uh, could easily see, uh, you know, a bounce here into spring, in my opinion, in the wheat market. And I think wheat can kind of divorce itself a little bit from what's going to happen in, in corn and beans, um, you know, to some extent. But it just seemed to struggle. you know, the world does a good job of raising wheat. And I know there's been pockets of problems here and there, um, you know, over the last two or three years, but it just still seems like um, there's, you know, no shortage of wheat in the world and crops uh, have ended up to be just a little bit bigger than, than expected. I think that big Russian wheat crop maybe was, uh, you know, the final straw that kind of, you know, caused the most recent, you know, 60 or 80 cent price break in the wheat market. Yeah. Okay. Let's jump down and talk about what's going on over, going on over in the, um, well, first let's do this. So let's look at, uh, like ethanol and, um, uh, biodiesel and, you know, crush rate, all those kind of things you see happen right now. Big push right now for in 23, we're going to see an even bigger push in, in biodiesel and what that looks like and how that's going to affect our overall soybean market. Just taking a look at, at ethanol and where gasoline is compared to, um, uh, where it's come down to, I think the last time I looked today, I think gasoline is trading like 260 something right now. Um, I guess looking at ethanol, biodiesel, all those things that come into play with, especially when you start looking at crush, what are your thoughts there? And, and if they continue with this, this biodiesel thing, how many acres of corn is going to go to, there's going to go to soybeans to get this crush rate thing we're looking for. Yeah, that's, that's going to be, um, you know, some, some moving gears that, the market has to, um, you know, adjust to over the coming uh, year or two. Uh, I think part of that, is, you know, puzzle may be solved potentially with a big bean crop out of Brazil. <clears throat> um, you know, they're going to at the very early stages of, of harvest down there. I know Argentina's got a, a serious problem, but net net, the southern hemisphere bean crop is going to be way bigger than a year ago and a, and a record crop out of Brazil. Um, and so that is part of the puzzle, right? Because we've gained so much um, uh, on the export side on beans in the last two years because of back-to-back droughts in, in the Southern Hemisphere. And, and now if you return to some more normal crop sizes this year and next year uh, in the Southern Hemisphere, they're going to take back some of that export business, uh, Brazil is. And so that loosens up a little bit that our, our exports will come down at the same time we're ramping up the demand on the biodiesel side. And so there, there may be enough room in the balance sheet that, um, you know, there's no severe tightness um, or, or need for, you know, three, four million more acres uh, of beans. But what it does mean is it's just that much more important that we continue to raise big crops. And, um, you know, I think there will be somewhat of an, of an acreage battle as you get, you know, from now into, into spring, I think there's a lot of acres that still are undecided. They could swing one way or the other. We've got, you know, essentially, uh, record high input costs. Uh, there are some signs that, uh, some fertilizer products are starting to come down. Um, and, and so I think this battle between corn and beans going into this spring is, is going to be 
very real uh, as well. And we just haven't seemed to spend much time north of six bucks on December corn futures. And, you know, I'm not sure that price level secures uh, an extra two or three million corn acres like the market is starting to believe. And, and so uh, it all plays in there. You know, the, the energy side has had a big setback, um, you know, from $110 crude oil and, you know, uh, now well under uh, 80. We've started to rally back a little bit. Uh, there's, you know, some talk that once China comes back from Chinese New Year here uh, in the month of February, that, you know, now that they've opened up uh, after COVID, that there's going to be this huge push of demand and, you know, get the energy markets fired back up. That remains to be seen. But that all plays into the profitability of that sector um, as well. So, you know, I think it's a good thing. I, I think, uh, I feel like I've been rambling for uh, 10 minutes now on your one question, Casey, but I think it it all comes down to the size of this Brazil crop, how much uh, competitiveness they're going to have in the world market as far as exports. If they take back some of that market share that we've gained the last two years, particularly out of China and Chinese uh, exports, um, you know, Chinese imports of U.S. beans, I should say, then, um, you know, we may be happy that we do have this extra demand because, uh, it could be pretty severe. Just to put it in perspective, I mean, the most recent estimate, uh, 152-ish million metric ton crop, they're getting some rain in some of the southern areas. That could add some bushels. You know, there's some people thinking that could still approach uh, 154, 155 million tons in Brazil. Yeah, that's like a 5.6, 5.7 billion bushel bean crop. That is just massive. Billion two to billion four bushels uh, billion with a B bigger than what we produced here. That is a lot of bushels that we're going to have to deal with out of Brazil. Yes, there's a shortfall in Argentina. Some of those beans are going to go to Argentina to run their crush capacity, but that is an awful lot of beans that uh, I'm a little bit fearful of. And, and it's just going to, you know, we're, we're just in the process of starting that harvest. So those beans are going to be hitting the market here over the next six or eight weeks. Okay. We are seeing some uh, some slowing in the economy here in the United States. We've talked about that. Uh, we've seen that throughout last year, and it's, we've watched the the price of um, of meat at the at the grocery stores uh, still stay fairly high. You know, you start looking to see what things are. Um, you start looking at the price of beef, especially uh, the, uh, the the prime cuts of of meat that are out there, and you're still paying. $17, $18 a pound for, for ribeye steak and, and those kind of things. So you're looking at, at there, you're still, you're seeing some pretty good volatility in those marketplaces, but as, as the Chinese market, like you said, kind of starts to open back up and we start seeing more, we're seeing more um, shipments of, of U.S. hogs over to China than we've seen over probably the last couple of months anyway. But I guess, so Chip, looking at the protein markets right now, your thoughts there and, and, can we see do you, do you anticipate seeing these prices stay where they're at this first quarter of 23? Yeah, the, you know, there's again a lot of moving parts there. I, I think one thing that's been holding us up uh, have been just tremendous exports on both pork and beef. A lot of that driven by China, especially on the pork side. Uh, they all of a sudden have apparently, um, you know, fixed uh, their their health problems and in, in their hog herd and you know in fact have this massive overcapacity now and you've seen our hog market uh, take a big hit as a result uh, our, our 
our beef, our cattle numbers are shrinking. We got a cattle on feed report this afternoon, and, and so we'll get an update on some of those numbers. But it appears that after two plus years of, of breeding stock liquidation due to the drought, that our numbers are starting to shrink. Our weights are coming down. That is a good thing because, uh, unfortunately, um, you know, we're, we're putting some pressure on the consumer due to inflation and higher prices. We're starting um, to hit the export market a little bit. Uh, one week here or there of poor numbers uh, on exports, um, you know, on the protein side is is allowable. But it's been several weeks, uh, you know, where it was going into the holidays and now after the holidays, you just can't seem to get much uh, much traction there. So that might be a, a big headwind here. We're going to kind of cut back on our export side um, if the consumer does start, um, you know, paring back a little bit and and not buying, you know, eighteen dollar steaks, uh, eighteen dollar a pound steaks and and up, uh, then this domestic uh, beef demand could struggle a little bit too. And pork prices have come, uh, you know, down pretty dramatically over the last uh, month, month and a half. So, you know, it's not all bright out there, and and you still have relatively high feed costs. You're, you know, you have high soy meal uh, costs right now. You 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 know, corns out here seven dollars roughly. Uh, in, in the central part of the United States, probably still eight plus in the plains. And so, um, you know, it's, it's not all rosy out there, especially on the livestock sector. And, and, uh, you know, there's in spite of, you know, the cattle cycle starting to take hold here in lower numbers, um, that might be a good thing because unfortunately the demand side looks a little bit suspect here as we, uh, you know, get deeper into uh, the first quarter in here. And so hopefully we can hold things together and not too much, uh, you know, put too much more pressure uh, on the consumer. You mentioned earlier, um, you know, the, the energy market, uh, I think the, these lower gas prices relative to six or eight months ago, um, you know, that's almost like a, you know, a pay raise to, to some extent instead of, you know, yeah, it's nice instead of spending $90 to fill your tank, you're, you're spending 60. So you got some extra money in your pocket. And I think that's been a good thing and, and maybe, you know, help hold the consumer uh, together a little, a little better than, you know, if we still had $5 gasoline. Right on. Okay. All right. Good stuff. As usual, Chip, folks can reach out to you and get more information about what it is you're doing at Blue Reef Agri-Marketing. What's the best way to do that? Yeah, best way is just call our office, 309-550-7213. We'd love to chat with you. Uh, you know, we hit on it earlier. I think it's going to be a, a, one of the more important and uh, gut-wrenching and, and maybe one of the hardest, uh, you know, marketing years risk management-wise that we've seen in a long, long time in 2023. So it's more important than ever to have a plan, execute it, and, uh, you know, pay attention to your bottom line. Yep, I would agree with you. All right, Chip, uh, appreciate you being on the podcast, man. Hey, thanks for having me on, Casey. All right, man. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC, LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast. And check out the video version of this over at the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel, which is called the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. So check that out. Uh, more information about the Moving Iron Summit, go to movingironllc.com. Go to and check out the registration page there. Speaker information will be up here directly. So uh, check that out when you have some time. Or if you have any questions, email me at movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com, and I'll make sure to get those answered. So with that, I'm Casey Simo with Chip Nalger. It's Moving Smart, folks. Out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. 
To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving higher in the 21st century.